Okay, welcome to day 118 of Journey Through Scripture. Today we're going to be looking at Joshua chapters 13 and 14, Psalm 52, and then finishing up the book of Luke in chapter 24, verses 36 through 53. Okay, in Joshua 13, we see the land begin to be distributed to the people of Israel. So first we have this note that Joshua is now old and advanced in years, um, and um, there is... there. There remains yet very much land to possess. And so despite the southern and then the northern campaign that we've seen take place, there are still there are a lot of cities, uh, a lot of villages um, within um, the land of Canaan that need to be subdued and brought under Israelite control. And uh, what's interesting about that is that Joshua here begins to apportion off the land even with that being the case. And so a lot of this is an expression of faith that God will indeed finish what has begun here, uh, particularly note, noted uh, as, as regions that need to be subdued are um, regions along the coast as well as uh, further inland up north. Um, but, uh, but God makes the promise, I will drive them out, only a lot or divide the land among the people. And uh, recall that uh, back when we saw what the instructions looked like for them to do that, um, you have the idea that it's given both by size and by um, and by lot. And it's kind of like, well, which one is it? Is it by size or by lot? And there, um, I noted that I think that probably the best way to think of it is that the actual locations are decided by lot, but the size of the territory that is to be given is... Um, is decided by the size of the, the tribe that's going to occupy it. So as uh, we something we've seen multiple times now noted, you have the, the Transjordanian uh, area, its distribution. Uh, Reuben, Gad, and East Manasseh received their inheritance. Uh, a couple things noteworthy here. Um, uh, so the Levites that also have their cities there. They have several Levitical cities there. And their inheritance are to be the, the Lord's food offerings or offerings by fire. Also note that something we did not initially see in the stories about him is the note in verse 22 about Balaam, the son of Beor, who practiced divination, uh, being killed with the sword uh, of the people of Israel among the rest of their slain. And it was noted that uh, back when we were looking at this in, in Deuteronomy, how he became somewhat of a, of a ringleader, enticing the people of Israel to sin and to worship Baal Peor. Um, so here that is, that is noted. Uh, but something else that we start to see as well, and you see this here in verse 13 of chapter 13, uh, a very lucky verse indeed, um, that uh, it tells us that the Geshurites and the Ma'akathites were not... Um, they were not able to drive out, and they still dwell in the midst of Israel to this day. This is the first instance that we see what might be called a, a crack in this narrative of this complete subjugation of Canaan, uh, that in fact the Israelites are not thorough in doing what they were instructed by the Lord to do uh, for various reasons, as we'll see. And you see this continuing throughout the book of Joshua, and just how bad of a problem this ends up being we see played out in the book of Judges that there is now uh, this idea that, that the Israelites are not completely carrying out what the Lord commanded them to do. <clears throat> um, then uh, attention is turned to the west of the Jordan River, and the first tribe there that's going to receive their inheritance, so we'll see this uh, uh, completely done tomorrow, 
but is going to be the the tribe of Judah. And uh, you might recall that uh, the, the character of Caleb. So Caleb was one of the spies who was sent in uh, to, to spy out the land by Moses. And when they returned and were kind of freaked out by what they, by what they saw there and, and caused the people of Israel to be afraid and everything, uh, the two who were not, um, who did not, the two spies who did not were Joshua and Caleb. And because of this, he's given a special inheritance of the land. And here he's claiming that inheritance. He says he's he's been alive 45 years since then. So he's 85 years now. And in contrast to the attitude that, as I said, we're going to start seeing this this crack in the in the narrative of uh, of, of subjugation of Canaan, as opposed to the Geshurites and the Maacathites who are not driven out of the land. Um, you know, part of that is going to become uh, eventually because this is hard to do. Part of this will become the Israelites growing apathetic over it. Like uh, we've done enough. We 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 don't need to um, completely eradicate the influence of Canaanite religion from the land. Um, but Caleb here, even at 85 years old, is like, I will drive out not just the inhabitants, but the Anakim. And notice that how the Anakim. Um, have been mentioned throughout this narrative as people who are particularly m- intimidating. Um, yesterday, we we noted the possible connection with Goliath, um, and that because they are um, entrenched in the city that he is claiming for himself, which at that time is Kiryat Arba. Arba again being uh, Kiryat simply means city of, um, and Arba um, is is the uh, connected with the Anakim. Uh, and this will eventually be the city of Hebron. So this is the city that Caleb desires, and um, and he is not intimidated by them because he has the same confidence in the Lord that he had back when he went to spy out the land so many years earlier. Okay, that's it for Joshua today. Let's go now to Psalm 52. Now, Psalm 52 is another one of the Psalms of David, and it is um, has a very specific... Uh, context that it's placed in, to the choir master, a maskil of David, when Doeg the Edomite came and told Saul, David has come to the house of Ahimelech. Um, <clears throat> I believe I mentioned this a little bit. We talked about that incident a little bit when we were going through the book of Mark. This is referencing uh, the story that um, that Jesus cites in response to the uh, gripings of the Pharisees when they're criticizing his disciples for picking heads of grain on the Sabbath day. Uh, this is the story that he references. Uh, it's in 1 Samuel 22. And um, long story short, David is on the run from King Saul, and um, he goes and he takes refuge at a place called Nob. And Nob is where the tabernacle is currently, and the priests there give him refuge. And not only do they give him refuge, they actually give him and his men the bread of the presence to eat. And that's the thing that, that Jesus wants to talk about. But um, if you read on, uh, we find that Saul learns that he came to Nob and that um, and, and he goes there and he becomes angry with the priests who gave him refuge. And he commands the men who are with him, the military men who are with him, to kill the priests uh, as retribution for having uh, given given refuge to uh, David, whom he considers to be a fugitive. And the guys are basically like, forget that, we're not doing that. But there's one guy, Doeg the Edomite, who is willing to do that. And so he 
um, he slaughters the priests who are at that um, who are at the tabernacle, and it's it's a tragic story. And this is the context. Um, this is like the psalm that David pens in response to that. And so, addressed to this guy, why do you boast of evil, O mighty man? The steadfast love of God endures all the day. So notice the, the contrast there. Your tongue plots destruction like a sharp razor, you worker of deceit. You love evil more than good and lying more than speaking what is right. You love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue. Um, and then in response, it's the, the, the vengeance of God that, that uh, David has no... Uh, is basically entrusting God to mete out justice on this man who is his enemy um, and who is God's enemy. Uh, but God will break you down forever. He will snatch and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. Think of that. Um, the permanency of the judgment here, the idea of he's, um, uh, the, the, the wicked man is taking refuge in his tent, right? That's like, his home, that's where he lives, and, and even there in that security, God, God, that doesn't stop God at all, and, and it's from there that God will, will snatch you and um, uproot you from the land of the living, of course, is a very colorful way of talking about death. Uh, then in verse uh, 6 and 7, um, note how a lot of the Psalms are uh, include taunts, Okay, so like my enemies taunt me, you know, like where is your God, things like that. Stuff like we saw that people were hurling at Jesus on the cross. Um, yeah, but a lot of the Psalms, when he's talking about like what the ways in which his enemies have wronged him, David will often talk about how they how they deride him, what what insults they do. And, and here the roles are kind of reversed, right? That now it is the wicked man who is receiving just retribution for his for his sin, and the righteous shall see and fear and shall laugh at him, saying, so now it's the righteous who are who are mocking, okay? They're laughing at him, saying, see the man who would not make God his refuge, and but trusted in the abundance of riches and sought refuge in his own destruction. There, this is an interesting inversion on themes that we see throughout the Psalms. Like, how many Psalms have we seen where it talks about how you need to make God your refuge, right? And you need to not trust in your riches. Here is the absolute opposite. This man refuses to make God his refuge, trusts instead in his riches, and sought refuge in his own destruction, which is a little bit of a tricky phrase, right? Like, So it's like, is it the destruction that is coming upon him? That kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, I'm not going to take refuge in my own destruction. It, it seems as if, seems to make much more, much better sense that the destruction that is being talking about is the destruction that the evil man himself does, right? So the 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 the, the um, say the wicked thing that he did at Nob, where he killed all those priests, right? His destruction, right? That his that's where he's quote unquote seeking refuge. And if that sounds like a, like a weird thing, well, why would you seek refuge in killing people? That's uh, again, keep in mind it's it's all it's all it's all about like the choices that you're making in life. And saying, like, what is it that's going to make me secure? What is it that's going to make me successful? And here, this guy, um, we, we might be able to speculate a little bit, but, like, he's called an Edomite, so he's a foreigner, right? He's not, like, native Israelite stock. Um, perhaps he's come 
to be part of Saul's retinue. Part of he's become a trust, trusted member of his um, of his of his military um, contingent, and uh, wants to impress Saul, right? And so he's and he does this act, this destructive act, this act of destruction in order to do that. And so it's it's that's probably like the the meaning of this uh, this expression sought refuge in his own destruction. Um, the, in, and, and note that it, it's not as awkwardly phrased in the Hebrew as it is in the, in this English translation it, there. It's just, he sought refuge in his destruction. So, uh, or the, the destruction that he brought. So, uh, that's what I think is going on there. But I, here you have the contrast. I'm like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I will thank you forever because you have done it. I will wait for your name, for it is good in the presence of the godly. So that's like, despite the fact that this has happened, I am still going to um, draw near to God, draw near to the Lord. That's my portion. I trust you, God, to to take care of this. And um, yeah, but as as for me, I will I will uh, seek my refuge, continue to seek my refuge in, in the Lord. And as a result, I will be like a green olive tree planted in the house of God. All right, now let's finish up here in Luke chapter 24. Um, so uh, the, uh, the, the, the passage yesterday ended with the account of the guys who were on, the disciples who were going to Emmaus and Jesus met them on a road. And then they, um, you know, they go into where they're staying and they're breaking bread and Jesus uh, is invited in there with them. And at that point, um, they, their eyes are opened when, when he breaks the bread and gives it to them, uh, very reminiscent, of course, of the Last Supper, and uh, they realize who he is, but then he kind of splits immediately afterwards, um, that he vanished from their sight, it says, and, uh, and then they go and they find the eleven, and apparently others had seen him too, a particular emphasis on Simon. So here we have another another one. And this one is kind of interesting because uh, if you read the end of John's gospel, um, which will be in to, will be beginning tomorrow, um, <clears throat> one of the appearances is very, very similar. So this is probably, I think, describing the same scene. So first off, Jesus stands among them. They're, they're talking about these things, and he stands among them and says, peace to you. And, uh, and here in John chapter 20, it talks about again how they're they're inside the doors are locked they're they're afraid um, and Jesus stood among them and says peace be with you okay very very easy to um, to, to picture a similar scene right uh, but they're startled and frightened and they think that they see a spirit so that's the that's the direction that Luke is going to go um, in in with this so Luke's gonna note this aspect of it so they think they're seeing him and this is important right they think that he's immaterial. Uh, like a ghost, okay, a phantasm, an apparition, um, and Jesus is very, very uh, go, goes out of his way here to explain that's exactly not what I am. My body has been raised. There is a very physical aspect to resurrection, right? It's not that God has raised Jesus as a disembodied spirit. God has raised his body, and he says, <clears throat> in, in fact, he he their interpretation of of him as a spirit, uh, he kind of classifies as a doubt, right? He says, why do doubts arise in your hearts? And he says, 
See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And then he shows them his hands and his feet. Um, and they're, 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 they're still having a hard time though, right? Luke notes that, that they disbelieve for joy and were marveling. Uh, an interesting way to put that, right? Uh, and then in order to further drive this home, Jesus asks them for a piece of fish. And they give him a piece of broiled fish and he takes it and eats it uh, in front of them. And um, almost like, like he wants them to believe. He wants them to um, to believe in, in, in his, not just that he is with them, but he is with, that he's with them bodily. And um, I'll just note that again, in that scene from the Gospel of John, uh, there are some, some, ser- some real similarities because John really focuses on Thomas, who is particular doubts, right? And he really wants to do it. But it's the same issue there, right? Like he's doubting that Jesus is really raised, even though Jesus is standing in front of him. Um, and Jesus comes and what does he do? He offers him his hands and his side um, and uh, to, to, to allow him even to touch him. So it's very, very similar scene going on here. And I think what we have is it being described from two different perspectives. Um, Luke, of course, would not have been there, whereas John himself would have been there. And then Jesus says this. He says, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then just like he did with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, it says that he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So there's a there's a, a link here, not only to understand what's happened to me, but understand how it fits in with what God has already said to us um, in this in the scriptures, and uh, in particular um, that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Um, uh, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of the Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. And uh, this is an abbreviated version of what we will see in the beginning of the book of Acts, uh, but we do see some significant connections with themes in the Gospel of Luke. The the theme of forgiveness, uh, what Jesus is, you know, the significance of Jesus being that we obtain through him forgiveness uh, is a is a very important thing. Um, we see this uh, as early as chapter 1 in Zechariah, uh, the, the father of John the Baptist, His uh, the poem that is ascribed to him there, um, you child will be called prophet of the Most High. This is chapter 1, verses 76, and I'll read 77 too. You child will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to pre- prepare his ways. He's speaking to John there to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. So what is the significance of this era that John is heralding? It is um, knowledge of salvation for God's people and the forgiveness of sins. And here, the way it is worded, now after Jesus has accomplished these things, is um, is uh, repentance and forgiveness of sins. And this is exactly what John is doing then when we find him in the wilderness in chapter three, what is he proclaiming? A baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So this this is uh, that starts the journey which Jesus is now is now completing. And uh, and notice the fo- focus too. We've talked about how Luke likes to call the disciples apostles a lot. 
uh, because disciples are not just so disciples are guys essentially who are students of Jesus. They are his followers. Okay. But uh, the apostles, and of course the inner 12 become the apostles, right? Actually have a have a an outward mission, I suppose we could say. They are apostle literally means a sent one. Okay. And both here in Luke and later on in the book of Acts, we see that a and we'll see this theme actually a lot in the book of John too, is that their job is to bear witness. Okay. And so here you are witnesses of these things. A witness, somebody who has firsthand knowledge and who is now going to tell others. And then, of course, it ends with this promise of the Holy Spirit um, to, to come upon the people uh, that will give them power from on high. And just as Acts recounts for us Jesus' ascension into heaven, so Luke also um, recounts his ascension into heaven. Um, obviously, a lot of stuff is, temp- is uh, chronologically compressed into this chapter because we know that a period of 40 days takes place. In fact, Luke's the one who tells us that um, in the book of Acts. But here there's, um, you know, it, it, it's written sounding almost as if it's like one scene. Uh, but that's kind of like how Luke likes to do stuff. He likes to compress narratives and uh, things like that. Um, he doesn't say that it all happens, right? And, and he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them, right? Like that doesn't say when that happened, when in relation to what has just happened. Um, then he said to him, then he opened up their minds minds, right? Like these are, these are very loose chronological, um, markers, which are, it's not as if he's like, you know, right away or the same day. Um, no, we don't have a conflict in chronology. This is just how Luke likes to tell stuff. Um, so, uh, all right, well, and we'll be back with Luke when we're in the book of Acts, but, uh, for now we're, we're done with the book of Luke now, the gospel of Luke, and we will be looking tomorrow at the fourth and final gospel, the gospel of John which I very much look forward to opening up with you. Uh, But until then, keep reading scripture, take care, and bye-bye.